Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 43 of Fatalist, a podcast ordinarily devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl, but these are not ordinary times, my friends. They are not my, at all. My I mean, name is Dave. Unordinary. Disordinary. How you doing, Wayne? <laughs> What's going on, Dave? Oh, man, I'll tell you. You know, if you'd asked me six months ago, and you did ask me six months ago to do a zombie show, and I pretty much tried to... Uh, ignore your request and uh, dodge the bullet each time but i got to say i'm happy i uh, finally gave in yeah i think i you know i said it right into the microphone so you're forced with either you know you know accepting the challenge of watching the zombies or editing and i you know i knew you'd go with what you know not having to edit it out so. yeah but you know in, in all seriousness i mean i am probably like a lot of people i mean i've got i had this certain image of what the zombie movie was or or is and, you know, the two we're going to talk about tonight, Shaun of the Dead and, and 28 Days Later, I, th I think certainly fit in that broad category, but, you know, in, in radically different ways. Yeah. And I think we'll, when we talk about, you know, kind of we're going to briefly talk about the, the history of zombie movies. And I think there's a good reason. I mean, probably the image you have is just like just like a gore fest, right? right. It's just like it's all blood, no story, no plot, no nothing, just an excuse for, you know, people to walk out in the woods and get attacked by corpses and then get turned to corpses and attack the people they're previously with. But, uh, you know, that's really, uh, the, the zombie genre has kind of stepped up its, its, its game artistically in uh, the last, uh, 10, 15 years. So. Yeah. And really, you know, what our point is tonight, I mean, certainly to talk about these movies, but you know, look, you're here probably because you watch lost girl and, you know, you listen to, to, Wayne and me because you like Lost Girl. And, and you know, hopefully what we've been doing over the years when we talk about, you know, our pilot previews or whatever is to, you know, maybe get you to think about watching something else you haven't thought about watching. And, you know, if you're into Lost Girl, maybe zombies, although Wayne, I mean, come on, really, you know, Faye, the next step to zombies is not that great a leap. No, I, I, maybe I, I think hopefully we'll see zombies in, in Lost Girl sometime soon. Yep. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, you watching anything other than... Actually, you know, it's funny because, you know, last week you talked about how it's like kind of like a lull a little bit. Yeah. But there's still like a lot of new stuff out there. And we mentioned Under the Dome last week. And that's not terrible. Have you caught I up? I gave up. Uh, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm st sticking with it still. Um, because I think a lot of ways it reminds me of uh, Persons Unknown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, because it's like people trapped, and they don't know why they're trapped, and everyone's got a secret, and a lot of their secrets are interlinked. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. I start thinking about it, like, oh my god, this is so like. I mean, the characters are different, except for the, like the lead character, and each is like looks very similar. You know, right? So, and and you since you brought it up, um, if you don't know the sh the show Persons Unknown, which it's likely you don't. I didn't know until Dave told me about it. Last yeah, I year. think it was maybe 2010, and it was a summer show, and the intention was 13 episodes. That's it. There's not going to be a season two, no matter what the ratings are. And it was really good, but you know, like again, it was so uh, weakly publicized, and 
you know, but but it, it really de- it is a good show. Definitely yeah, worth no, seeing. I, I, I liked it a lot. It was good. And like I said, I mean, I think I'm sticking with Under the Dome because it's it reminds me so much okay. of, of Persons Unknown that, that I like it. I want to find out what's going on. Um, yeah, I, maybe go back because like the last episode was actually, I thought was pretty good. They're starting to step it up and we're starting to see some of the crossover connections. And okay. Anyway, um, also, if, if you remember, last year I was watching this show on BBC America called Copper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's placed you... in Five Points in New York. Yeah, and I didn't, I right. didn't really like it, but I watched all of it, you know, and everything. And then season two comes up, and I'm like, ah, because you know, if what what BBC America did very cleverly is they put it over the summer where there's nothing else on, right? Had Copper come back on when we we're watching, you know, in the thick of it, watching all those shows we watched, there's I probably would not for a second even considered it but because there's really nothing else on i'm like okay you know I'll give it and you know what? i'm actually kind of i think i'm enjoying season two um way more. i think that like a lot of the spotty writing from season one they've tightened up a little bit and things don't kind of happen out of nowhere quite so much they still do and everything um but yeah i just i think that that time period like that five points in uh you know mid 19th century new york is just kind of like to me it really fascinating period you know new york city in general like as it was building as the immigrants came in as new york city was increasing and all the diverse populations that were there and them trying to live with one another and everything it's just it's kind of like a a fascinating uh subject to me so that's part of it well cool um you know for me falling skies is about the only genre show that I'm really watching right now. I mean, there's not, you know, defiance ended, like we said last time, but uh, really, you know, like in falling skies. And I think we've mentioned once or twice that we're, uh, you know, fairly involved sports fans. So, uh, you know, when the Orioles sucked, I didn't have to spend any time watching Oriole baseball, but it wasn't uh, a problem. Wasn't a problem. So uh, yeah, but, and, and, you know, certainly that being said, I, I much prefer them not sucking and, and being good and Chris Davis hitting tons of home runs. Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, but I am looking forward to the fall shows coming back and yeah. Yeah. Even though fringe won't be one of them. Though. Fringe won't be one of them, but you know, may have to do the fringe re- rewatch yeah, you like go. you did. All right. Well, let's do a little bit of news. And the first item on the news list is our favorite network, the CW. And their hit show, Arrow, is expanding its cast with a major new recurring role in season two. Okay. Summer Glau of Firefly, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, is going to play Isabel Rochev beginning in the fall, who's a vice president of acquisitions at Stelmore International, a company that is basically trying to take over Queen Consolidated. And she's likely going to be a villain and is described by, as enigmatically beautiful but dangerous. Did you know this? I did not know this. All My right. heart just skipped a little beat. So it's probably going to become official now that she's going to be like the the, the first lady of sci-fi. I think she, she won. Well, um, I don't know, but Amanda Tapping being on Supernatural, though. It's, that's And she's know. directing, uh, I believe it's oh, next week's right. episode of Continuum. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, yeah, because, yeah, because you guys, she didn't, uh, uh, Magda Abinowitz, uh, talked about that, right? Yes. Right. Guys, that was a really yeah. good interview, by the yeah. way. Oh, uh, good. I, thanks. The other day. So, yeah. Um, now, as part of this character in the DC Green Arrow comic book series, you know, this character, Isabel Roshov, was born as a slave, worked her way up to become the chief executive of Queen Industries, 
But after Robert Queen's death, uh, she thought the company had fallen from grace. She wanted to restore it and eliminate Robert's disgraced son, Oliver Queen. And uh, so obviously we know Summer Glau from playing River Tam in Firefly. And then uh, Cameron, who may be, I'm telling you, if I had to make a list of favorite sci-fi characters, Cameron in Sarah Connor Chronicles would yeah, definitely be one of gotta them. She's got to be up there. She's got to uh, be up there. And then she had a minor recurring role in Dollhouse as the rival right. tech genius. Yeah, she's only like two or three episodes. Right? Yeah, yeah. And she had her arm in a sling the yeah. whole time. Uh, but she was still great. Um, and, you know, it's funny because uh, Joss Whedon's certainly known for having a stable of actors that he really likes to work with a lot. Are we going to end up seeing her in S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point? That, yeah. might, that might be cool. But- you know, well, basically the cast of the the recently released uh, Much Ado About Nothing, um, you probably expect all of those people at some point or another to be in uh, in Shield. Nathan right. Fillion included. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him uh, pulling a cameo because uh, Joss Whedon loves working with, with that guy. Yeah, and and he certainly you know he was in the uh, brown coat you know documentary and, and certainly seemed to enjoy being around all those people. Now. Arrow's going to be at San Diego Comic-Con next weekend, and then we'll return October 9th and production. Oh, that's right. They did that last year, too, yep. didn't they? they yep. Well, that's, that's, good... that's not a bad strategy. You know, I think it worked out well for them. For to, I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure if the, the show would have survived had it tried to start out of the gate with all the other horses, you know, so to speak. On so, to zombies. On to zombies. Okay. So, like I said at the beginning, you know, the – our intention is obviously we enjoy talking about this stuff, but we hope you'll give it a chance. And, and you know, really, I think that's what you all, all you need to do. I think you'll really enjoy both of these films. I would we're going to talk about Shaun of the Dead first, but uh, and, and I would watch them in that order. But before we do that, you know, uh, we want to give you a little bit of background on zombies and zombie films. OK, so this is kind of a pseudo Project X for this week. Um, so the zombie uh, is a fairly modern incarnation. Is pretty even new to the uh, as far as the horror genre. Uh, Nineteen sixty eight is pretty much the the, the tipping point there um, when Night of the Living Dead came out. So really quick, we'll talk about m movies before that. Uh, before Night of the Living Dead, zombie movies really involved. It wasn't like zombies as we know them now. I mean, it was corpses being reanimated. Um, but they were like through voodoo or magic or, or a mad scientist would, you know, would reanimate corpses and they'd be like at his command. Right. And, uh, and so like, so, so it wasn't the zombie acting with its own volition or by some kind of unknown method, be, you know, coming back to quote unquote life. Right. And there whatever. was this connection with, you know, especially in Haiti and, and Western Africa with, like you said, with the voodoo and, and, you know, like the whole idea of the succubus where, you know, the original uh, succubus, you know, came in the dreams, was generally, you know, this, this hag-like creature. And, and then, you know, we, we, we've kind of transitioned into the modern uh, idea of the succubus, which is, you know, more or less like Bo. Yeah. And I think just the whole idea of, of the corpse reanimating coming out of the ground is, is, Something we've actually talked about on this show before. I can't remember what it was one of the Fey um, that uh, you know it was. It was a, a I believe a Haitian um, 
a tradition of, of, of burying people just the right way so that they don't come back. Right. Um, and so this is obviously like any, like all horror movies, are, they, their premises are based on kind of inset fears. Uh, a corpse is a creepy thing, right? Obviously. And uh, part of the creep factor is, well, you're putting a whole body back in. What if that body comes back, you know, and, and this is not new and, and there's, you know, the Christian religion is, is based on the idea of the, the the body, you know, ascending and all this stuff. So, you know, it's it, but it's it's creepy. And uh, and when they start eating your flesh, they get even creepier. Right. So and, anyway, and that's more of a, that's more of a modern, you know, the you know the modern transition into the, you know, the modern zombie. And like you know, Wayne said, really, you know, probably 1968 uh, is that you know that cutoff point. It's generally as a result of some sort of pandemic that's, you know, infected people and right. then led to their zombification, if you will. Yeah. As opposed to the earlier ones, uh, like, uh, you know, arguably the first zombie movie in 1932, White Zombie. More human than a human, more human than human. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to sing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. See, I just I saw White Zombie. Yeah. You know okay. that song, right? I don't. What? Oh, <laughs> but right. uh, Bela Lugosi, who was certainly you know Mister Horror in the '30s and '40s and and probably into the '50s as well, and you know that was one of the you know more the the voodoo type zombie that was like Wayne was saying you know where where the the witch doctor cast some sort of a spell and controlled the person. Uh, and then in the, 19, in the four, early 40s, King of the Zombies, I Walked with a Zombie, uh, you know, were some of the early ones. But then, you know, George Romero came along and... 1968 changed all of it. Night of the Living Dead. Um, this is really where the, the modern zombie genre... This really... Most people kind of credit this movie as being the, the spawning the, everything. It created the rules that most zombie movies go by. Uh, now, though, as we we're gonna see with Twenty Eight Days Later, those rules are, are twisted a little bit. So, you know, people might even argue that Twenty Eight Days Later is not nominally a a zombie movie. We'll get to that when we talk about that movie. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. But we'll we'll get there. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so you know, the 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 modern zombie instead of being some you know, like you know this uh, reanimated voodoo thing or whatever, it's just regular people, everyone who are somehow coming up out of the ground and have a sudden hunger for human flesh. And so that means there's going to be the gore factor. And that was like a big part of this and, and actually quite controversial part of it. Uh, apparently besides um, having an, an African-American actor in the lead, uh, which was semi-controversial in 1968. Um, yeah. Given that all the other characters were white. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and you're not, I mean, really, what other action hero, whether black action heroes were out there at all at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, really. So yeah, I mean, none. I mean, maybe like say a movie like The Dirty Dozen, where you had Jim Brown, right? But, but he, he wasn't, wasn't like the leader, the right? Lead, right, and and then you see like a lot of the the white people he team up with as being very negative characters, and right. him being the true hero and everything. Um, you know, probably was not this certain section of the country. Maybe it wasn't very popular, in, right? And, and I read an interview with or not an interview, but I read a, a, a segment of an interview with George Romero and he was asked about that. He said, the guy gave the best audition. Right, yeah, that's what I read. Like he was, just, he was, he was just the right. best actor, and yeah. which is great. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? Like yep. I didn't purposely do it. He was just the best actor for the job. He's the guy I picked, right? Um, 
So, but the, uh, the gore factor and see back in 1968, there were no ratings, right? So anyone could walk in. So like little kids, the, you know, they, they started off, they would do Saturday morning matinees would be the horror films would, would be released on a Saturday morning matinee, so, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon matinee. So, you know, Roger Ebert actually, uh, famously kind of condemned the movie because across the aisle from him was this like nine-year-old girl who was just like sobbing uncontrollably because it's not like your thriller type horror movie. This is like a genuinely scary, freaky, very dark movie. And, and in the end, spoiler alert, the hero is killed. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just mentioned it and look, I mean, we've said, obviously I'm a little bit older than you, um, you know, but that whole idea of horror movies being shown in matinees. I mean, I spent many a summer day in the movie theaters, you know, seeing uh, things like one I vividly remember was the creature from the black lagoon and they were scary, but certainly they were not gory, you know? And, And like you said, this was kind of the tipping point and, and, you know, parents sent their kids like this little girl's mother, thinking it's just going to be a quote-unquote scary movie. Yeah. It's and not it all was, that it, scary. It, it wasn't scary. It was disturbing. Yes. And uh, you know, more so because you can you can distance yourself from the creature of the Black Lagoon, but the zombies, they're just they're regular people. They just look a little weird, but they're just they're, they're people. Um, and, and also uh, part of this um, motif you see in, in zombie movies is that the, it's always about humans ultimately, you know, in fight and start killing each other. Right. Right. They're supposed to be fighting the zombie apocalypse. You think they'd be pretty united in this, but ultimately they squabble over who's in charge, this, that, and the other. And what happens in Night of the Living Dead, the humans actually, quite a few of them kill each other. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, or make foolish mistakes that allows them to get uh, killed by the zombies and everything. Um, so that really established all the, the rules, and especially the big rule that you have to, it needs some kind of blow to the head to kill a zombie. Right. You know, which now, is have you of, seen it? Night of the Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that when um, not you know, I saw it in like VHS. I, I remember um and my, my dad just bringing home my dad was like a teacher and he just one like winter break brought home just like a bunch of movies that had been in his classroom and so like that whole winter break I was just watching these things. It's like all these classic movies that I'd never been able to see before. Wow. And it was pretty soon after we had first gotten the the, the you know VHS player. So it was just uh I, I remember that Night of the Living Dead being in there, and that it just blew me away. All right now, I don't know. You know, before we go on, I don't know. Is the next one you're going to talk about ten years later? Well, I'm just going to skip actually to the '80s because some people consider like the '80s as, as like the golden age of of zombie movies. Okay, now before before Wayne goes on, uh, I, you know, I want to make sure I get this out. Um, White Zombie, which arguably was the first zombie movie, 1932, and believe it or not the 1968 Night of the Living Dead are both in the public domain. The Night of the Living Dead, it was from a copyright screw-up, but both films are available for free download. So I've put links on the website, so when this podcast gets posted, you can go to the website uh, and links there, and you can you know download both movies if you so desire, and I would certainly uh, recommend it. All right. Okay. So kind of skipping over a decade, going straight to the 80s. Uh, this is I remember um, Return of the Living Dead coming out and uh, it was like, you know, the one guy says, more brains. And for some reason that was like when I was like in seventh grade, like everyone was saying, I, I, I didn't see the movie then because I was only seventh grade. My parents would never allow me to, to go see it ever. Um, 
But uh, I, re- I remember that movie coming out. But it's it's kind of typical as what we talked about before, as just now where kind of story and plot and everything have kind of maybe subsumed into just you know they got just gorier and gorier and and you had to have more blood and entrails dripping and things like that, and that kind of what as we said before kind of most people then began to characterize the zombie movies as that as being super gory which is what movies. i did right exactly yep. okay so now let's skip up to another uh 20 years or, or you know you know another decade two decades um and we get now 28 days later okay now there's it it switches up the genre again now is it still gory well yeah but gore is certainly now not the, the motivation here. The, the story is, is what the important part, what drives the story is, the, what drives the movie is the story, not the gore. And, but now the zombies or the infected, uh, they're not these shuffling, you know, mindless creatures. They're these very threatening running guys. Like yeah. they run and they're, they're like 10 times scarier yeah, well, than the zombies. Right. They well, we'll have, talk about that when we, when right, we, uh, the huge numbers. Yeah. So that was like the big, the big change there. Yeah. Now, one that came in between, and I didn't know this movie, but I, I saw it on several lists, um, you know, about top zombie movies, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson made a zombie movie called dead alive that, that a lot of these critics consider one of the best. And apparently it's relatively gory, but you know, I haven't seen it, but yeah. Oh, actually, I actually forgot to mention these uh, evil dead Two as well, which, um, that is a, as a fantastic movie. It's not maybe necessarily a zombie because it's more like a possession movie, but it's still like dead. Thing. In fact, in the one, uh, the guy's hands, Bruce Campbell, um, whose hand attacks him, his hand gets possessed and starts uh, attacking him. And so is his hand attached? Well, it was, Okay. <laughs> then he gets a uh, he gets a, a hatchet, I think, and then he, he nice. chops his hand off, right? But the hand is still attacking him. Okay, and it's hilarious because you see this hand scrambling around the floor and, and chase him, and so you know, finally he uh, I can't remember what he does. Like he 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 does something to it to like like stabs it or something like that in the floor and then like the classic lines like who's laughing now <laughs> you know, like everything uh evil dead 2 by the way is is a freaking hilarious movie it's great absolutely the, the whole evil dead series and army of darkness and everything highly recommend not necessarily zombie movies per se but had to mention it okay so um so now all right now we're up to today so actually um well so in the in the in the aughts, I guess we call it now. Okay. How are we going to refer to the two, yeah, just the two thousands, the aughts, yeah, the oos? I don't know. Uh, still working that. But uh, Romero remade Dawn of the Dead and and modernized it with now the more modern zombie, the twenty eight days later type zombie, right. the running type zombie, and everything. Uh, and that was a really good movie. I liked it. You know, maybe some purists said eh, it didn't need to be done. I liked it. Um, and then also Shaun of the Dead. Now Shaun of the Dead is kind of a throwback, right? Okay. To the, the very Romero esque type but obviously as we'll talk about how it played with that, that and that i haven't seen that so actually my next uh movie i'm going to watch is night of the living dead the original 1968 that's next on my list okay so oh have you not seen it i have not no oh i'm sorry I no no that's a spoiled it. no you I, haven't i, I no. just assumed you'd seen it i have short attention span so i don't even remember what you said about okay it. um all right so now we got the 2010s and well what about t- 2009 Zombieland. Oh, Zombieland. Well, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, Zombieland, which, um, okay, I didn't mention it. I, did, I didn't take notes on it. Because, I mean, well, Zombieland, to me, I kind of equate with, it's still in that that same vein of Shaun of the Dead, 
Um, yeah. So exactly. the, uh, the the zombies are are they are they the shuffling zombies or yeah they're more or less they're shuffling, more the shuffling zombies, right they're right. definitely not the uh, running ones right uh, but it, it kind of plays with the the concept of of the zombies and, and you don't like it but I, I no 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 love, I did like it no I, but I mean the, the very beginning right. You don't like? Well, I got through. It was a little, you see that it's a little gruesome, which is why I never really, uh, I've never progressed beyond the first 10 minutes of the walking dead. Well, the walking dead is, is, is super gruesome, um, which we'll get to in a second. Well, I guess the walk, I should still talking about the odds, I guess, but, uh, um, it's certainly a zombie. Well, I like how it starts off with the rules, right? Because someone says zombie genre is the rules of, of zombies. What, how how what zombies how they kill them um and everything and so the conventions of it and so in that movie jesse eisenberg starts off with listing his rules for surviving the zombie apocalypse which right. I, I just thought was a clever little turn on that yeah yeah um so then it brings us to uh the walking dead which um again is now now it's a television show and uh obviously a very popular one um you know the 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 zombies are are kind of like the traditional kind of shuffling type zombies, um, but the gore factor is 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 huge. But also uh, there is this human factor, and part of what we're going to talk about tonight, and we've mentioned already, this is infighting people. You know, fighting amongst themselves, and actually zombies. I mean, this is why it's it's a very modern thing because I think, um, you know. Zombies are a, a very apt metaphor for industrialized man, you know. Yeah, and, and that really comes out in Shaun of the Dead, right? At the beginning, we'll- absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and so that uh, and the the fact that uh, it's really we probably see more humans killing each other, especially especially in the last season, where now we got these two warring groups, uh, the the governor's group and Rick's group. Um, it's it's all you know. Humans killing each other. The, the, zomb- the, the zombie, the, the walkers or the biters. And see, it's actually fine. I was thinking about this today, how the two groups actually have different languages, right? The one group calls them biters, the one group calls them walkers and everything. So it's really, there's these fundamental differences. And there's a really good episode last year where the uh, Rick and the governor meet to kind of parlay, right? And, uh, and Daryl is, is kind of hanging outside and, and the governor's main gunman is there and they kind of start talking and they see that they're very much alike, but at the, as it ends up, they split and they go, and you know they're going to end up trying to kill each other at some point. So these are two groups that are uninfected, that are just trying to survive, right? and, and, and now they're... And, and, and they're at kind of war with each other, um, and they're killing each other. And so all these people are dying uh, from humans killing humans, not not from the, the undead mm-hmm. killing each other. And, and so um, so it brings us up to the, the 2010s. And uh, we've mentioned we've talked in the show a couple of times. I've not really talked, but I've mentioned in the flesh. And so now it's it's moved on. Now the the, the genre has now evolved to. Uh, you had mentioned it, um, I think, last week about the uh, at Comic Con how they're having the panel about. Oh right, right. Like zombies and legality, right? Right. Well, in the flesh um, deals with as, as I've said before, people who are. I found the name. It's called uh, partially deceased syndrome. So, and it's funny because in the beginning, you know, like in the first episode, they, uh, you know, that's a guy talking to his doctor and, and he starts to say a zombie, I think, and the doctor's like, uh, he's like, I mean, I suffer from partially deceased syndrome, you know, like that. So the euphemism is there. And so, you know, the whole part of it is they're putting makeup on them now and contact lenses in their eyes and everything. Um, but they're still, 
undead, right? He can't, he doesn't eat or drink or anything. Like in the one, uh, the, the character comes home, he's been killed in Afghanistan. He comes home and his dad was like the leader of the um, provisional uh, resistance back when the, the people, humans were fighting the zombies. Uh, this guy was part of the, you know, the, the army, the not, not official army. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were fighting the zombies and, and he's still like, obviously very much against these, the, uh, the partially deceased syndrome sufferers reentering society. Um, and then his son comes home and the whole time his dad's pretending that the son never died. Everyone knows the son died. It was in the papers that the kid he comes home, he's got scars and everything, uh, but the son's even trying to buy into it and act like, um, you know, he's just a regular person and that he's not one of the, uh, recently deceased and everything. So, um, you know, it is funny, but it's also tragic as well. The, the, the whole kind of, um, the, the main part of the story is this, this father's inability to accept his, his son on, on a number of, of levels. And I, I don't know if I should get into it because it's like kind of, I'm probably, well, it's okay. If you've already seen it, continue to listen. If, uh, if you haven't, uh, cover yours for a little bit, but you know, it turns out his his son was homosexual as well, and that's the reason that, that his son joined the army to go to Afghanistan because of his father's disapproval because of of who he was, and then the father can't accept him that he's also the partially deceased syndrome sufferer. Uh, so you know, a lot of the the, the bad things that happen come simply because of the the father's refusal to accept his son for what he is and everything. Uh, also, along the same lines, we had last year in the flesh came out, not in the flesh, uh, warm bodies. I'm sorry. Warm Bodies, which uh, was also a really good movie. Uh, same lines. There's a zombie who is the narrator of the film. The, the film is told largely through voiceover, especially at first. And it's our narrator, and, and he's a zombie. And he's trying to become human. He starts a relationship with a human girl. Uh, he, he, he has, like, a record collection. He has his own place. You know, it's, it's, uh, and it's wild. And so now that's kind of like the, the new theme now of the, the genre is of zombies now trying to become human again or trying to integrate into human society and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting if you look at it. And of course, you know, you can probably, there's a whole doctoral thesis in there somewhere about how all of this is, you know, related to the time period and, and how the change in changes of, of themes in the, zombie genre can be uh, related to the time period in, in which they happen. But all right, cool. Let's move on now. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, if you've watched any kind of, uh, you know, most sci-fi and, and certainly a lot of these um, disaster uh, Sharknado, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I, I saw the, uh, the advertisement for that and I was like, how did I miss that? Yeah, well, anyway, um, you, you can't help but have come face to face with the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, the CDC, and you know it's a, it's appeared in uh, science and horror fiction and film numerous times. I mean, it, it shows up in Stephen King's The Stand. Well, if you go to the CDC website, they actually have a link for zombie preparedness, and obviously, uh, what happened? It started as something tongue in cheek, and then what they found was they were getting so many hits, and they started basically putting out the message that, well, you know to prepare for the zombie apocalypse, it's pretty much the same way you would prepare for a hurricane or a tornado. And that what they found is it has really raised awareness. So 
you know, along with those links to the two movies, I also put a link in the uh, show notes on the website to the CDC site. Yeah. The well, that, that's that's the the goal for the group in season one of The Walking Dead, and they actually end up at CDC. Um, so you know, that, that's probably the popularity of that television show is probably gave rise to that. Absolutely, that, that, that was cool. You sent me that. I I didn't realize that until you sent me that link today. I was like, that that is great. So, all right. Shaun of the Dead, 2002, uh, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. And Simon Pegg, you know, he, what have I seen him in? I mean, You've he, seen him in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, now, it was directed by Edgar Wright, who directed a lot of British TV. He directed a movie that I've heard of, I never saw, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, I, I, that's a movie I, I keep telling myself I want to see, and I just I haven't seen it yet. Uh, there's, there's a scene in there that's on YouTube that my, my kid loves because it's like two DJs battling each other i guess or like two djs and, and scott pilgrim's band battling each i don't know okay but my son loves it all right well uh you know wayne brought newcastle brown ale tonight so i guess that's in in uh in tribute to right. the fact that shawn of the dead takes place in london well both of these well newcastle both of them right exactly nowhere near london it's well very, very okay but it's in england but they're, right, they're anyway. both in the same country though. all right so uh opening premise we, we well we, i just want to say with edgar wright and um and Simon, uh, Simon Pegg. Pegg have worked together on a number of films, like uh, the film they made after this called Hot Fuzz, which is a kind of send-up of the police genre, which is is great. Um, I believe Edgar Wright worked with him on Paul, which is um, Nick Frost, who plays um, Ed, and Simon Pegg uh, run into an alien, voiced by Seth Rogen, and they're trying to get the, the alien home. It was it was okay. okay. Um, and they got a new movie coming out actually in August or September. I think my neighbor told me about. It. I think it's called like End of the World or something like that. Uh, which is they they're they're going on some pub crawl. Then they're going to end up in this place called the End of the World. And I think it also goes along with some kind of apocalypse that's happening at the same time or something. So uh, it should be great. There's there's a lot of the actors in in this. Like uh, you might have noticed. I don't know so if you noticed uh, Martin Freeman was in you know martin freeman mm -mm. he's he's bilbo baggins oh okay no, and he was also if you saw uh the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy the most recent film ver the the studio the film version um he was arthur dent in that so he's he's pretty big he was also in the office well i kept waiting well. for sean's mother to whip out her id and so, uh harriet jones harriet prime jones. minister yeah right and they say we know who you are yes. yeah but, um so but but you know there's a, a very short when uh, the the line of when Yvonne and um, and Sean meet, they have the the lines behind them, and right. it's like the girlfriend, yeah, the mother, yeah, everything. yeah. I want to bring uh, that up. Martin so. Freeman's the boyfriend. Oh, okay. So Four he has, and all he says is, huh. you know, like that, just like one line, and uh, and he's probably like one of the big, besides Simon Pegg, probably the, the biggest actor in in the movie. All right. Well, let me give you the premise here. Okay. So, so we're introduced to Sean, who's this twenty nine year old guy living in a London flat with two other guys his age. Apparently, he's known him since uh, school. One's got a job. The other's this big, fat slob of a guy who sits around all day eating, farting, and playing video games. All right. And uh, he's a very lovable guy. But, well, okay. Anyway, so even though Sean's got a job, it's like, you know, it's like a Best Buy type store, it looks like. Um, and he's a salesman there. He's clearly, I mean, they set the stage that this guy's going nowhere fast. He's got a girlfriend that basically wants. Some kind of heck, she's not even asking for a ring or a commitment. She just wants to go to a restaurant 
with just the two of them. She wants to go someplace beside the pub that they go to every single night. With all of their friends and, you know, feeling like she's hitching her reins to this uh, losing horse. Yeah, how great is that? It's not that I don't like you, Ed. Right. <laughs> he's like right there. He's like, oh, no and then he's like, yeah, well, it's not like I don't like uh, your Diane. roommates. Right. Yeah. And then he looks over. It's not that I don't like you guys. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. Right the right opening uh, editing was awesome. Yeah. You know, the, the, the way they introduced all the characters and, and set up the background. Yeah. My personally favorite line is like, you know, she's a, uh, you know, you have to, it kind of exacerbates things. He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, we don't really get along. Dude. He's like, no. What does exacerbate me? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. like, I think the first time I saw it, I think I was just crying on the floor. I was laughing so hard. That's well, such- well, yeah. And, and you know, I think the best way for me to describe Shaun of the Dead is as a primer for the zombie genre, because it's, you know, it's in fact, uh, you know, I'm stealing this from their advertising posters that it's a romantic comedy with zombies. And that really is accurate. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got some gore, but it's relatively low and it's almost like it's, you definitely aren't going to turn away from it. Right. And it's, it's, it's almost like funny. Like the one time the, they hit the guy and he said his limbs are all, are tangled and right. his head raises and Sean's like, Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> right. They tear right. off. So it's like, yeah. But yeah, but, the gore factor is, is not, is definitely pretty low. Right. And I would recommend you watch this one first. A- absolutely. All right. So, uh, yeah, and like we said, Liz, his girlfriend, just wants to go somewhere other than the Winchester. And, of course, he forgets to make the reservation, and uh, that pretty much turns out to be the last straw, so she breaks up with him. Now, what I find interesting, and, and you know, it's like what happens is that as the movie's, you know, basically unfolding, you hear all this stuff in the background. And one of the first things that I thought I heard was, I think he had the TV on and, you know, it it sounds like the announcer said something about a space probe unexpectedly reentering earth's atmosphere. And I don't know if that was what. Well, but you know, that, cause that was kind of like the potential premise or reason in night of living dead. Like there's some, like some space probe okay. uh, blew up and radiation and everything. So. And, and, and brought some pandemic to the country. And the, the, you know, the whole idea, and you kind of alluded to this in our opening, is that what you see in, in Sean is as he's going about his life, as he's, you know, waking up in the morning and going down to the corner store for his breakfast, which is a uh, Nutty Buddy ice cream cone, <laughs> a, a soda, and... Uh, I guess a cigarette. Which, yeah, which I, I love like the second time he goes. I just caught this. I've seen this movie a million times. It's the first time I've noticed this. He's uh, he goes into the shop, and he's like looking. Through, and he pulls out a regular Coke at first. And I remember, just the night before, he had the big argument with Liz. Oh, about broke up getting with in him. shape. Or- so he 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 puts the regular Coke back and pulls out a Diet Coke. Right. And here's like his you know. That's, right. But but all along, you know, you see as he's walking down the street, you start to see you know one here, one there, then it's two you start to see people that are obviously affected by, you know, whatever this pandemic plague is. Right. But he's oblivious to it all. Yeah. And everything's going on as normal. And, you know, the the whole idea of, you know, the the people just going through life like a zombie. Well, that, and that's reinforced by the, the title sequence in here um, where it's, it's playing this kind of like bouncy song. And it shows people just... Like there's a girl Mary who later ends up in the in Sean's garden, right? Yeah. Um, 
she that she's in the shot. She's in that open, that title sequence shot as a, she's a worker in a store. She's kind of like taking right. it's her her eyelids are drooping and she looks almost exactly like she does as a zombie. It shows people sitting by standing at a um a bus line. And again, and there's uh the the one guy um there is is a number of shots throughout the uh as a zombie. But again, it's like they're just and then it shows like the hoodies walking down and they're you know they the hoodies end up attacking uh Philip later. So um it's this first of all this parallelism in the one hand but also as you just said demonstrates that how much of our lives are like do we go through like zombies just we we go through our lives and we don't even think about we do everything kind of by instinct or or by uh, um you know just because we do it every day i don't know why i can't think of the word, word i'm thinking of but yeah you know, by habit you know like habitual things uh, instinct. We don't think. We just go through life like Sean. It's just going through life. He doesn't really think about right. his life. He's just going through life. Right. And he says he wants to change. I mean, he really does care for Liz. It's almost as if he doesn't know how to change. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's it's he's thrust into the situation where he's forced to change. It's either change or die. Right. Exactly. And you know, we'll, we'll, but yet they still go to the Winchester, or yeah. they still go to the Winchester. Like, now, there's certain things you can't change. Now, the other thing I noticed was there were, the, you know, the imagery, the red imagery, is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, whether it's cars, I mean, his the uniforms that they wear at his, yeah, you got uh, red you know, on you. And, exactly. <laughs> the, the the running joke is you got red on you, and it starts that he's got you know the red pen in his white shirt, and right. and and you know we've all, well, all the guys have probably been at that point with the ink runs into their shirt or pants pocket. Uh, and then obviously later the joke more or less becomes because he's got blood spattered on right. him. Well, the, when he, he, she shows up at his mom, she's like, you've got red on you. And she's, yeah. she's worried about the blood from his face that uh, he got. And, uh, and he's got blood from, you know, attacking zombies with his cricket bat, which is great as well, by <laughs> oh, the way. Yeah. Um, and so he's got blood on his face. He's got you red on you. And she, she like wipes off like a very like mom type thing. And everything, so. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a lot of things I, I did happen to get a chance to watch it a second time. And one of the first, you know, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, the, the three roommates, they're kind of actually Ed isn't really a roommate, right? He doesn't actually live there. <laughs> he's, he, just, he's just crashed on the couch for right. like, you know, as, as Pete says, when's he going to leave? Right. And the other room, right, wants to get rid of him. Um, and basically he finally tells him if he wants to live like an animal, he can go live in the shed. Yeah. Which then great. becomes, which up, like, yeah, exactly. which, which ends up at the end of the movie. Uh, you know, I like the line where, where mom's asking because his mom still hasn't met Liz and it's like, well, what is she like for lunch? You know, I, I want to have something she likes because, you know, a lot of people don't eat meat now, uh, which I thought was classic. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a fantastic yeah. line. And then, you know, like you said, in here, we establish, you know, fairly early on. I mean, we really go about maybe 25 minutes before there's really any zombie action. Right. You know, it's all setting the stage for Sean. And yeah. His- and it's like, at what point does it start? Because, and, you know, also with that, that scene, like the two times going to the shop, again, like that parallel, because, you know, it's like he he passes like the same things, like every time, like he slips on the the, the same curbstone. Yep. Each time, uh, the first time a jogger runs by him, the second time is a guy running for his life, running by him. And actually, uh, if I don't know if you caught this, but the first time he goes into the shop, the guy in the morning suit who ends up in their in their apartment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was in. He's in the back of the shop when oh, he goes in the first okay. time. And then the second time he goes in, 
and I don't know if I noticed this before, but I did last night, is that, uh, um, oh, it's the, uh, the, the shopkeeper is the zombified Zuck is, right. is also in the back. He comes out, walks out from the back just as Sean's leaving. Uh, Nelson is the name of the shopkeeper. Uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, the movie is just so well made. It's just how it, it, it sets up each scene and, and how they play off of each other and how, that's why I say it's like one of my absolute favorite movies because so much of it is in parallel with what happened before and, and stuff happens earlier that becomes very relevant later. Right. And, and like we said, the, the gore is kept to a minimum. I mean, the first one is, you know, it's like, uh, Sean, there's a girl in the backyard, right? And they go out there and then uh, she's clearly a zombie, but they think she's just really yeah. drunk. She's like, she's so drunk. And they start know? throwing stuff at her, which yeah. was hilarious. And then they oh, you favorite know scene ever is with the records, and they're trying to oh. determine which one. Like he throws it. This Blue Monday is right. like that was the first it, edition, it, and Blue like, Monday is an extremely valuable one. It's like and he pulls you know, out like, Charday. Throw yes, it. That's Liz's. <laughs> she just broke up with you, right? Yeah. Uh, Batman but, soundtrack. But then goes. when they you know they push her, and there's this pipe that's got to be probably I don't know four inches in diameter, and she falls backwards on it, and it goes right through her impales her completely and they're you know they're shocked and and you see you know the blood on the pole and all that and then you know because she's a zombie she just kind of gets up stands up and then there's this you know this gaping hole right it's it's funny because actually if uh because I've, I've seen this movie so many times i've actually gone through and listened to the director's comedy well, uh, commentary while watching they said that that was one that shot cost them tons of money because of the special effects because uh, they don't really have any special effects in the movie right but that shot was so they they, they go off talking about because it's like their first movie right their first yeah. feature-length movie uh that Simon Pegg and, and Edgar Wright made so you know obviously that you know and we think really that's it but you know they were just going on and on about how much that shot cost and and everything so right. and, and the other one was the scene where the zombies tear David apart that was fairly gratifying yeah, uh, right but you know I mean at the end it really becomes, you know, this heroic journey, right? I mean, to safety. And, and one of the things I like, I mean, traditionally, uh, the pub has been depicted as this sanctuary for the English male, especially. So I really like the fact that, you know, when they, they need a safe place to go, that's where they choose. Right. The pub, and it's funny because like when they, they run to Yvonne and he's like, she's like, where are you going? It's like the Winchester. She's like, the pub. Oh, you know, just like the very British kind of like, obviously sign of disapproval, but. Uh, well, am I pushing like, it to bring Joseph Campbell into the discussion? No, well, you you mentioned that earlier. I think it's, that's that's appropriate because uh, in both of these movies, we do see the a, a, a hero developing. Yeah. You know, they're not heroic at the beginning, but they become heroes. And, and you're right. I mean, he's anything but. And, 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 you know, he's really forced, you know, he's got his little group, you know, and, uh you know, I like the one scene where he's going over in his mind. Okay, get the car, go to mom's, ki- kill. Oh, that's the, that's the last thing. Kill Phil. Kill Phil. When did when did, when did kill Bill come out? Uh, Kill Phil, get Liz, and go to the pub, right? And then say, no, no, can't do that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it really is. And and again, one of the scenes I liked, and, and just as you know, this movie as it's starting to get serious, then it'll it'll be the scene where he's. He's got the, you know, he's got blood spattered on him at this point, and he's got the head, the wide headband, a la, you know, Rambo or, or you know, right. something out of like, yeah, and uh, it's, again, it's, it's platoon, a Charlie yeah. Sheen and platoon, and and, uh, you know, I mean, he really is the one that guides them to safety. 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, by also kind of holding firm to his, you know, kind of basic humanity, which yeah. is the, the always the, the, the characters, the human characters in, in zombie movies always, almost always die because they, they lose, lose sight of their humanity and start killing one another instead of fighting the zombies right. and everything. And we see that with, with David, uh, certainly. Right. Um, Diane, by the way, survives. Which one's Diane? She's uh, she David's boyfriend. She runs out after him. She's like beating off. Oh, okay. The uh, I, I should have said that. Yeah. She's beating back <laughs> the zombies with his leg. Right. She grabs right. his leg. Right. And starts whacking them. Uh, in the extras of the DVD, they actually storyboarded um, what happens to her, and apparently she beats her way through the zombies and finds a tree and climbs up the tree and rides out the zombie apocalypse up in the tree. So if you were worried about her, she turns out all right. Well, and you know, Wayne already mentioned, you know, uh, Sean's weapon is a cricket bat and Ed's weapon is this shovel that, that both of which get bloody pretty fast. But, you know, once he goes to mom's and, and, you know, once they get Phil, uh, his stepdad and, you know, he gets bitten and they, you know, they have to kill him. He comes face to face with the decision now he's got to kill his mom. Right. And he's ready to do it. Yep. You know, yep. and, uh, you know, and, and they don't necessarily make light of that decision. Um, well, not, he, not only was he ready to do it, he did it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, and, uh, you know, because he had really no choice. Um, so, you know, he proves himself heroic. Uh, he gets the girl because he saves Liz. And, and I think really all she wanted was show me you care, show me, you know, and, 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 and he gets the girl and their life changes. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. Kind of. No, yeah. no. It, it's just, they're back in the flat. <laughs> the, the apartment is much cleaner. Though. The, the apartment's cleaner, but it's like you know, hey, do you want to go out? Nah, let's you know they and and it's like slip right back into mediocrity. Right, but I, you know, I think part of that is that she's kind of okay with that now. That just right. a normal life is is right. is okay now that she has seen you know they've had their 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 bit of adventure there i guess and it, it wasn't what they thought but it, it's funny then you see the reintegration of the zombies back into or the zed word i'm sorry well right 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 um <laughs> we're not saying the zed well, word well, well right and, and and i mean the uh you know so you see the the really the indomitable human spirit come out and then like what you're just saying is that then we see the aftermath and the zombie apocalypse has been controlled but it's just so cool the way the zombies that are still alive have been integrated into society i love the tv game show yeah right um, what they call it z day right right <laughs> and uh and then we've got ed who apparently got bitten as well well and, yeah, not apparently I mean, yeah, you saw yeah. Him so then uh you know sean and liz are on the couch and you said yeah i'm gonna go out to the shed for a little while and, and you're thinking like okay is he going out there you know because now she makes him smoke out in the shed or whatever well, that's where, that's where Ed lives yeah. now, and yeah. they've got their—I uh, don't know—was it a PlayStation Three? PS, or, yeah, it's a PlayStation. Well, no, this was two, PS Three, probably it's just PS One, PlayStation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just PlayStation. Uh, two thousand two. So, uh, you know, I mean, there were a couple of things I didn't like. Um, yeah, I could have done without Ed's farting. I mean, I didn't. It just oh, wasn't. It wasn't that. that you know, but it's funny because it was a cheap joke in the beginning. Yeah, but it turned into a poignant moment at the end. Where he says, stop laughing. And Sean says, I'm not laughing, which is exactly what we said before. Yeah. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. And, and Sean says, I'm not laughing. And before it's just, um, 
you know, he, he means as like, I, I'm not really laughing, stop farting. Uh, but then when it happens in the end, he's, he's crying because his friend is sacrificing himself for him. And so it's a very touching moment. And you're, man, you're a cold hearted bastard for saying you don't like that scene. You now must go back and watch that movie three more times uh, okay. to learn a greater appreciation for oh, its nuances. I'll, I promise. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else about uh, Shaun of the Dead? Uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would recommend it. I mean, I'm sorry I missed it. I mean, I'm glad you told me to watch it. Uh, it's just a good, fun movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a great introduction to zombies. And it's, yeah, and, and I love how, you know, it, it plays with this. And like the, the whole thing about the Zed word, like, you know, the first time he says that, uh, Ed says the word zombie, Sean right. said, don't say that. Right. He's like, say what? The, the Zed word. Right. Why not? Because it's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, the whole thing that, they, that, uh, that they both pay homage right. to the, the genre, but also, toy with it to uh to to have fun but it's it's just a, a superbly made movie and i would also suggest if you like this one to go and see hot fuzz as well because hot fuzz is it just does the same thing with the action cop buddy movie format and it's just just as good i don't i don't know if i'd say better but it's uh certainly another excellent one uh also just mentioned a couple of the the actors and actresses in here we talked about penelope wilton playing barbara when she was a uh, you know, Harry Jones, MP, and then later the Prime Minister Harry Jones on Doctor Who, a couple episodes. Uh, we Bill, Bill Nye as Philip, who's been in, in you, tons of stuff. If you haven't seen the movie with him, you're not seeing movies because yep. he, he's been in tons of stuff. Uh, probably most popularly, he actually played Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, I personally like his role in a movie that you're probably going to laugh at me for even seeing, but it's called Love Actually. And oh, my God. I've you seen like, that movie yeah. like literally ten times. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, it's it's like it's I a great movie. I don't know why I like it. It's like such a chick flick, but I love it. I, I could watch that movie a million times. But Bill Nye plays the aging rock star yeah. who has the 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 hit Christmas uh, thing, and then he's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Jessica Stevenson, who played Yvonne, you might not have noticed her because she looks a lot different. If you remember the Family of Blood, yeah, episode of Doctor Who, yeah, she was Nurse Redfern, the Doctor's mm-hmm. love interest. I do remember that. Yeah. And then later, okay. she plays a character named Verity Newman, who is a descendant yeah. of Nurse Redfern, who's signing a book. And and in David Tennant's final sequence, well, not fi- now, next to final sequence as the doctor, he goes and 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 you know meets the the descendant of the nurse that he fell in love with back then. Oh, okay. Um, and then finally, well, not finally, we, there's two uh, people who were on the British version of The Office. Uh, I mentioned Martin Freeman. Who I, I forgot to mention, he was on the British version of The Office. He played Tim, who became Jim. And then Lucy Davis, who played Diane in Shaun of the Dead, was Dawn in The Office, which was the became the Pam character in the American version. Oh, okay. So um, a lot of uh, – just a great group of actors that they have in this. And, um, and Simon Pegg gets these people to work with them over and over and over again. So it's like, yeah. it's like you know, Martin Freeman, despite being a massive star now, uh, I shouldn't say despite, but I mean, he's obviously, by doing The Hobbit, he's kind of moved himself into this upper echelon, sure. but he's still going to be in this next movie with uh, um, uh, with uh, uh, Nick Frost and, and uh, Simon Pegg. So. All right. Well, let's take a look at 28 Days Later, which also was 2002, uh, written by Alex Garland, who apparently wrote the novel The Beach, which I did see, Leonardo DiCaprio. It, it, it's yeah, sort I, of a... Yeah, I didn't see that one, but I know, yeah. yeah I don't know. It's not really... It's definitely not sci-fi, but it's – I don't know exactly what I would call it. He also wrote uh, the, the Judge Dredd, 
uh, screenplay for the the remake, uh, the Logan's Run remake he's working on, directed by Danny Boyle, who directed The Beach, Slumdog Millionaire, which I know was a very popular movie, but I never saw it. Oh, yeah, it's really good. I believe it won the Academy Award for Best so, Movie. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, well, he, uh, there's a, a while we're talking about Danny Boyle, because he's like one of my favorite directors, and he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Shallow Grave he did early on, which is a fantastic uh, thriller uh, with Christopher Eccleston, very young Christopher Eccleston, and young Ewan McGregor are, are in that one, actually. Um, then Ewan McGregor again in Train Spotting. Oh, what a disturbing movie. Very, very disturbing movie. And it's funny because... Well, not funny. It's not funny at all. Um there's the scene in 28 Days Later when Jim goes into the the cafe and he sees the mother holding a baby hmm. and the baby's mouth is open. It's a very sad picture. And it's like, God, it reminds me of something. And then I realized, oh my God, it's just like when the baby died in train spying. It's like almost the exact same posture and everything. Hmm. So, which is why, like, I get to train spying. Like, I mean, I, I refuse to watch it because of that part when after they, the, the baby dies. I, I just, I can't watch it after that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I, I watched it, like, once, and then, then like, years later, I forgot why I never watched Trainspotting. I went back and watched it and got that point. Like, oh, oh, now I remember why. Because half of it, it's, it's, like, great, and you're with it, and then all of a sudden that happens then. So, anyway, Ewan McGregor again in A Life Less Ordinary, which was uh, with Cameron Diaz, which is really good, like, kind of uh, comedy light movie. And then, of course, 20 Days Later, Slumdog Millionaire. And he's actually working on another one now. I, I can't remember, but I, I believe Killian Murphy is in that. Uh, the new Danny Boyle movie that's yet to be released. I can't remember the name of it. All right. Well, opening sequence in this movie, and I like right, you know, what they do here. Right from the start, they explain how the zombie apocalypse begins. And, uh, of course, the blame lies with the researchers. But, you know, what's really become a sci-fi trope, the animal activists coming in, unleashing some danger on the unsuspecting public because they think they're doing good, but they really don't have the whole picture. Right. It's like 12 monkeys. Right. right. And and they did this in Fringe, right? Yep. The, 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 uh, there was certainly at least one episode. Um, you know, so they come in, they release all the apes who are part of this experiment, even though the, the one researcher that's there is telling you, you know, you don't know what you're doing. I guess my question is always for these animal researchers. Okay, fine. Let's say everything was fine. What do you think is going to happen to these monkeys when they're released? Even if they're not, so you well, I, I don't. I, I imagine that the the idea is not to re release them at all. That that the monkeys we, the not, well, they're not they're not monkeys. They're apes. They're apes, they're right? Chimpanzees. Um, but you know, I, I imagine that they would ultimately, you know, you know, be put down or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's off. I mean, or like, hit by cars as they're running through the. Or you know, I mean, really, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing. I mean, it's obviously horrific the the, the conditions that the uh, the apes are in. It's it's disgraceful. Oh, disgusting. absolutely right, right, right. Um, you know, but then you know the 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 radical group that comes in and and releases them obviously then ends up causing more trouble. And you're right, it is a a scientific trope, and and probably unfair to those who who believe strongly in in animal rights because yeah. obviously it's clearly disgraceful absolutely. And, and wrong what's going on there. Um, uh, you know, and, and so, but I th it's all part of it, right? It's, I mean, the, the first, the movie opens with these scenes of terrible violence of humans against humans, which right. is kind of what we're talking about, right? Right. Um, and humans kind of shooting themselves in the foot. And that's why it's such this great turn of the millennium type theme that we saw a lot of at that time uh, of, of how the human race is just irredeemable. 
Yeah. Right. That we don't really necessarily deserve to inhabit the planet, that we're too violent, too small minded, too self centered. Too self centered. Yep. And and that, you know, that that uh, you know, wiping us out or the, you know, the ending of, of us as a species is not necessarily um, a horrible thing. And and the the long short well not that it's not a horrible thing, but that it's in a way it's it's brought about by our own uh, shortcomings. Right. Now, you mentioned already that, that this is a departure from the whole uh, shuffling zombie. These zombies are quick. I mean, Ray Rice quick. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, no, they're quick. Maybe not that quick. <laughs> no, they're, they're pretty quick. But <laughs> They don't have know, Ray's moves. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one thing that, that immediately impressed me, because I did, I did read something, and I, I, I believe the budget was under a million dollars for this movie. I, 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 I know, whatever it was, it was very low. And I was... Really, imp- I mean, how did they get all of these shots of desolate? You know, I assume it was London or or some. That, that's London for sure. Yeah, I mean, and I, 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 you know, I, I meant to actually look that up because every time I see that, I I just that is amazing. That's that, that's well, I actually believe Westminster because that's where Parliament okay. is, which is different from London proper. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's basically going through the middle of London, the middle of the day. Yeah. And, and there's he's nothing completely deserted. He's right. the only one around. And I just assume they must have just shut down. Like Danny Boyle was like, "Listen, I just need like a block shut off for about ten minutes." And, but I'm looking in the back. <laughs> I'm looking in the distant background. I'm thinking, "Okay, I'm going to see a car." You know, yeah, nothing, nothing. But, it's completely. Uh, and that is that is a, a great that 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 part where he wakes up and a little bit of, for the ladies, Killian Murphy completely naked. Yes. Uh for the you know the first couple minutes of, of the movie. So if uh you know you, you didn't have uh enough impetus to go see this movie, ladies, and there you go. Okay. Uh but then you of course you know he's walking around and London's completely I, I could make deserted. a completely inappropriate comment now that would tie the two movies together. Do you remember the shirt that Ed was wearing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But oh, we God, won't we won't go there. <laughs> all right. Um now okay. I'm all for suspension of disbelief. But and I get the fact that in a zombie apocalypse or, you know, that, that, that people want to get out, but a hospital that forgets that they've got a patient, because that's no, basic. No, 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 not no. forget. No, because remember, the, the set of keys were shoved under the door. He was locked in. Okay. Someone locked him in there because he was still alive. He was still in a coma. So someone up from the other side locked the door and threw the key under. Okay, because they thought that would somehow be better? Then what? Well. What are they going to do with them? Like well, obviously, it's 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 the same thing happens to Rick okay. in, in Walking Dead. Okay. The Walking Dead starts off the exact same way. Rick wakes up in the hospital, and he's still tied up to all the tubes and everything. He doesn't know what's happening. And as he starts wandering around uh, with clothes on, though, because it's television, okay. um, you know, he he starts to discover everything. You know, very similar oh, okay. to. All right. Well, that makes sense then. Um, I mean, yeah. And it was the same thing. Like they that uh, someone locked Rick into that room. Because they had to leave very quickly because of the the um, the zombies, the walkers were coming, so they had to get out. Right. So you know, it, it, you really you're introduced to this uh, you know this character Jim, and you, you, like like we said, he he wakes up. Uh, I I don't know that he was in a coma. I mean, he'd been no, in, yeah, he was in a coma. Yeah. Okay. He he was a bicycle courier. He'd yes. been hit by a car or something, right. and um, so he wakes up to find that there's there's no one. It it's desolate, and right. he does. Has no idea what's going on. Yeah, and that's you know another amazing part about this movie is like uh, I think it's like a fifteen minute close to fifteen minute sequence there where there's no dialogue at mm-hmm. all. It's it's just Jim by himself 
walking around. And all this information is given to us simply through visuals and through photography. And it's just, I mean, this is one of the things that makes this movie so outstanding is uh, how, I mean, that scene is just, it blows me away. I've seen this movie so many times, but that scene still completely kills me. And I can't just help but just be just in awe of how much information they uh, get across without a single word of dialogue. Yep. And they get a, a Pepsi uh, commercial in as well. Yep. So, uh, well, a, as you might imagine, eventually he comes into contact with, uh, you know, somebody else that, I mean, you know, it's like anything that, that the human race is always going to survive. There's always going to be pockets of people that survive. And he runs across Selena and I forget the guy's name. Mark. Mark. Well, I'm actually just looking at the IMDB page because he played... See, I didn't see this movie, but you did, so let me see. Uh, Snow White and the Huntsman? Yeah. King Magnus? Uh, I don't remember, remember that, that. Okay. Uh, Probably you, you know, I actually did have a um, Kristen Stewart news item tonight. Well, I, maybe next time. You know, we haven't talked about her in a while. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, so they, you know, he, he runs into these two, and, and, of course, they're in, you know, full gear and, and uh, you know, have clearly been – in survival mode and explain to him what's going on. Yeah, they blow up that gas station, you know, then the, yeah. you just, the camera goes back to like, a, obviously a helicopter scene of, of all of London and you see like the explosion, the darkened city, this huge explosion in the middle of it. It was really cool. Yep. Um, so, you know, what, what gets me about like Mark, right, is that, I mean, here's this guy you just met and he says, I want to go check and see if my parents are alive. And you're like, they're totally not. They're definitely not. No right. one is alive. And she tries to tell him that. And she Right. They tell him that. And yeah. he's like, I still need to go check. And so they're like, okay, we'll go with you. Right. You know? And, like, and not you're just, they right, could say, well, all right, title love with you. Have fun. Hope, you, hope you're alive. In right. A because, hours. I mean, again, talking about tropes, it's like, dude, that's the stupidest thing you could possibly do yes. in a situation. Next to going into the basement when the light's out. Right. <laughs> but they do it anyway. And- you know, I think in one regard, it was a great scene. It was, it's almost like he had to see, you know, his parents are, but at least he knows that they died on their own terms, right? Unless sure. I miss... No, no, they, they commit suicide. Right. They yep. committed suicide. They left him a note. Yep. They're saying, don't wake up. Yep. Yeah. So while it's sad on the one hand, it, you know, given the overall circumstances... Right. Well, of, and that's what, what Mark says, because when he explains how his sister and, and father died in the train station where he had to, he only survived because he was able to manage to get up on the kiosk when the infection started spreading. Um, you know, he's like, if, if, if they went quickly, you should be happy, you know, and, and, but still, you know, he, um, you know, Jim has to find out and we understand that, you know, but, but I think it's really an amazing thing about Mark and Selena right from the part that, they could just cast him off and say, okay, go ahead. We're not going with you because it's dangerous and yeah. we're going to get killed. But they go with him and, of course, Mark suffers the consequences. And another thing that Selena never holds it over his head. She could say, you got him killed, even though she, she killed him. Yeah. But, you know, like basically, it's because, you know. Um, but she doesn't hold it over Jim's head. You know, right. she, she isn't. And, and, and one of the things I, I like about the way, you know, the, the movie, you know, their meeting opens, you know, Jim is this you know, idealist who's, you know, obviously been left behind at the hospital during the evacuation. He, you know, ah, things are going to work out. Uh, doesn't want to believe the truth. Uh, you know, like we said, commits a number of stupid acts that puts himself and the group in danger. And in fact, gets this guy killed. Whereas Selena, 
you know, is the, is the pragmatist. Nope, he's infected, shoot him. And uh, Yeah, and it, it comes back later because she tells him there, you know, if, if this happens to you, I won't even wait a heartbeat. And then later when she thinks he might be infected and she goes to, to hit him and she stops, he's like, oh, that was more than a heartbeat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I like the scene where they get the, the, get the flat tire. Right. Yeah, well, because Jim's like, let's take the long way then, you know, like it's and uh, and but uh, but there's like the when they're they're driving over all the cars, like all of them are like they're loving it, like yeah. it's like a thrill. Well, see, I was just glad that they had a spare tire. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, I expected them to, you know, go into, you know, I mean, again, the classic trope that you get a flat tire, you're, you know, In under the worst duress, place ever, to right? Get you one. open up the trunk. And, and you know, you it'll like catch twenty two, and yeah. you know, uh, you, you find the little note where the uh, first aid kit's supposed right, yeah. to have been. But how suspenseful is that scene? I mean, how yeah. how much is your stomach crawling? Even again, as many times I've seen this movie, still when I watched it, rewatched it here, as Hannah's tightening up the the lug nuts, you're just like, come on, Hannah, come on, yep. you know. And they're holding the car. You know, they're, they, they, they they didn't have time for the jack, so yep. Yep. Frank yep. and Jim are holding the car up. She's doing it, and right. it's like, drop it. Go and it's right. just and like the, the twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old daughter, right, is the one yeah. that's with Hannah. the lug nuts. She's probably like fourteen, fifteen. 14. Okay, so re- regardless, she's young. Um, and you know, here's probably a good uh, time to interject this. There really is no humor in this movie. There's very little, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's it's it's like kind of in like little bits and pieces. Like when they they first meet Frank and Hannah, and he's like, "Oh, it's a special occasion. Go get the creme de menthe," right? Which is like. That's like the liquor that like everyone has because you probably made something one time. Right. So it's in like your your liquor cabinet, but it's disgusting. So you never actually drink it. So right. like obviously that's all they have. So they got the creme de month to, right. to serve these guests on special Even occasions. Even as teenage boys, we probably wouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, when you'd pass that over, you're like, oh, what was your parents got? Oh, it's the creme de month. Oh, no, right. no. But, but this is very, you know, this is a very dark film. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but but in, in the same way, I mean, it is about the human spirit. It is about, you know, survival. It is sure. about heroics um, and, and doing what needs to be done. And, you know, despite the, in most cases, the overwhelming odds. Um, so I guess then what they they overhear this broadcast that's being recorded, so right, transmitted transmitted so that uh, they decide okay we're going to go find the soldiers that you know they know the coordinates I think they they've got a map right you yeah know? well it's in Manchester right so, so it's like just drive towards Manchester right so Frank is I, we assume he's a cab driver this is his cab right. or, yes okay. that's, uh, yeah exactly we assume that that's okay so we've got Frank his daughter Hannah, and then Selena and Jim at this point. So this mm-hmm. is the group, and they decide that they're going to go try to find the soldiers. Now, before we even get to that point, though, there, there was the one line that, you know, when, when Jim's really realizing that this is what my life is going to be, and she tells him staying alive is as good as it gets, right? And that, that that's, you know, don't think about anything else, because if you, the moment you think about something else, you're dead. Right. Blink and you're dead. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and uh, Jim doesn't take that view. Jim says that there's 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 still this, you know, our basic humanity is still a part of us. Exactly. And, you know, um, and and so you know, there's like where, um, you know, Selena tells him they need us more than we need them, and then right. Hannah replies. Hannah kind of says these little poignant lines every now and then. Uh, Hannah says, "Well, that's not true. You need us just as much." And, and Hannah's right as well. Sure. Maybe not to survive, but 
to survive, you know, yeah. to be a human being, you need other people. And that's kind of overplayed, which I love that scene where they see the family of horses, right? And they're obviously not because they're, they're different sizes and colors. So there's not necessarily family, family, but four now, horses. Is that why they're stopped and eating or? or? They, I think they stopped to, to eat okay. and, uh, and and rest too. Is that what Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and so they, they see this this family these well these four horses that have come together and are now together and and running around and uh, and Frank you know blows a kiss to him right. which I thought is just a sweet and Brendan Gleeson being one of my absolute favorite actors um, you know I, I don't I didn't know he was in this movie when I saw it but if had I known that I probably would have seen it in the theater when it came out um, you know just such a, a a poignant scene and you see it you get it like you know they are like the horses right they're just they're four people together uh just trying to be together trying to 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 make something human in a really bad situation yeah um you, the, you know the, the the other scene again that i think reinforces that idea of holding on to what humanity we've got is when they're they're riding on the way to the the army and they're playing cards in the back seat you know it's like they've become this little family you know that's that's going on vacation the kids are in the back seat playing cards right and um, you know, then Jim has that bad dream later, and you know it's like Dad reassuring him that it's just. Well, and, a he, bad and he calls dream. him Dad. Yeah, I mean he's joking, but I mean, but we get it. Like the, the, they have formed a family unit here, right? And again, I think in you know the, the the good writing, good directing, so they reach the checkpoint, and of course there's nobody around, and and you're immediately thinking that okay, you know that it must have gotten bad here that even the army evacuated but that's not quite the case then the two soldiers come out and well not before frank gets infected right and frank gets infected and in the same way sean has to put down his mother you know frank uh has uh uh, jim has to put down frank and he's willing to do it the army does it for him but he was gonna do it yeah well he you know he had his baseball bat raised which funny like there was a cricket bat before and now and again i'm thinking the same thing where the heck to get a baseball bat in England? And know? I wish I could remember the other English BBC show I saw where it was the same thing that happened, where the, you know they had, they had a baseball bat as a weapon or whatever. Yeah. And but anyway, yeah. Um, I, I still think, and there's actually the one thing where uh, Selena says, "Come on, Babe Ruth." You know, and everything. Yep. I was like, yeah, yeah. All right, more, more. so uh, you know, so they 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 reach the military. You know, you you think like, okay, great, we can we can exhale. Things are going to be on the upswing now, and anything but. Well, yeah. Well, they, they. I mean, they shoot Frank. Now, Grant Frank was infected. And yeah, right, 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 right. But they, they still like they're they're brutal, you know, killing him. And actually, I forgot to mention that's one place we hadn't talked about this yet. Uh, as far as the differences in the traditional zombie genre, um, first of all, they're not the shuffling zombies; they're running zombies. Also, the you don't need a headshot. Right. Right. Frank takes it to the chest. Get, you just you need, need a lot chest. of shots. You just right. Um, and so, and plus, these people aren't like zombies per se they and that's what i said like there's some controversy because some people say it's not a zombie movie because they don't die right they don't die and come back to life they're just infected with a disease and they go crazy right so they're really just crazy people right not reanimated corpses right so it's not in the strictest sense of the word a zombie movie of course most people categorize it as a zombie movie right and but again i guess to be Fair also, like even in Shaun of the Dead, I mean, they weren't already dead. They were alive. They were bitten. Well, but they still die first and then come back to life. 
Okay, so, so I guess you see where the one in the opening, the first thing you see is that the, the, there's a girl walking down the street and all of a sudden she just hits the deck. Right. And, and he doesn't even notice it. Yeah. But, but, but as the viewer, we notice it. Um, well, obviously the, the conflicts arise. There's nine surviving military men led by Christopher Eccleston, Christopher Eccleston who we know as the eighth doctor. Uh, the eighth, yes. Okay. No, no, ninth, 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 ninth doctor. Ninth, right, right, ninth doctor. The first doctor in the, went, new, in the new reboot yeah. from 2005. Not a reboot. Right. Anyway. All right. <laughs> so, uh, and his prime directive is that civilization must be rebuilt. And the way you rebuild civilization is you produce ch- children. And that's kind of a problem when you're nine men. Right. Um, yeah, and, and you really think about it, it's it's only, I mean, only if you're it's a zombie apocalypse, um, you know, it's probably each day is pretty long, but it's only been like a month, right? And and is it ever clear that he knows really what's going on? No, right. So, so he think he should, I mean, they're able to broadcast that message. You think how come they're not able to receive messages? Well, what we come to find out that which I thought was a pretty cool twist is that basically what the world did was quarantined England. It's right. an island, right? right. So, so we're going to... Well, and, you know, actually, because I was thinking about this, because I'm like, well, how, how the hell are, are the infected supposed to go? The minute they're infected, they, they turn. So it's not like you're going to, you know, turn infected, get on a plane and fly to Ireland or something like that. Right. You know, like probably, yeah, it's uh, Sergeant Farrell is, is right. Yeah. Where's it going? Right. We're on an island. They 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 can't swim. They're they're not it's it's not going. The rest of the world's going on as normal. You know, this this thing can't last. Obviously, there's gotta be other people out there who can help, you know. But uh but the the, the other soldiers won't hear it. Right. Partly because I think the idea of the 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 well, I, we say CO in America, the mm-hmm. O C as they say. Um Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, right. Has has promised them yeah. women. You yeah. know, like, first of all, how on earth do they buy that you can deliver on that promise? You know, well, I guess because of the, the message, right? You said right. And, and they figure there's the got to be people. Right. Um, but. And, and you got to, and that you figure that people are going to hear that message and they're going to hear that it's the military and they're going to feel comforted right. in that. Right. And they're going to come flocking to us. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but you know, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. Obviously, you know, completely unethical and horrible and not, I'm not unethical evil. Um, you know, you can't, you can't justify that. You know, he tries to justify, he's justified himself. And I guess that's where, you know, um, corruption and power occurs when, you, you know, you think you can justify any action that you take. And, and certainly he's able to justify everything he's done as far as. Because right, it makes sense to him. Right. That, that, you know, but you know, in, in one regard, this is the biggest horror in the movie. The, the fact that this young girl who you said, 14, 15, maybe at, at best, at right. best. And, and then Selena who, you know, was she 20, 21, maybe. Um, and that basically, you know, you're going to have sex with these, you know, yeah. with, with these men and, and they're clearly not going to be gentle. They're not going to be, uh, yeah. you know, well, especially Mitchell says, you know, he's, he's threatening the, 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 the you know, violent, not just, raping selena but to do so violently right you know 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, that, I, I would agree that that is the real horror of this is once because again, the breakdown of humanity. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. The breakdown of humanity. And, and, and Chris, it's, it's ironic in that Christopher Eccleston's character is the one who vocalizes that. He's like, all I've seen since then is what I saw before that. And before that, and before that, as long as I can remember, which is people killing people. So he's, he, he can intellectualize it. He realizes that, you know, this, but yet he becomes part of it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, the, the we've got the scene where they bring out the, the red dresses for the girls to put on. And, and, and you know, Selena's doing her best to try to shield uh, Hannah, but, but there is poetic justice, I think, at the end. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, as the, uh, you know, the soldiers basically... Um, yeah, they well they in in the words of of Hamlet hoist by their own petard right they, yes they, they're uh, well the, you know the fact that the the one soldier who was infected they have chained up I can't remember the that right. soldier's name um, but you know they got him chained up and um, which is you know he's just like an experiment right you know? to see and, how and long Jim it... is 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 horrified that he's like why why you have him he's like because I want to see how long it's going to take him to starve to death and, and Jim's horrified both by the fact that they have the infected right there, but also that they are just leaving here. It's like some kind yeah. of lab experiment, um, which obviously then turns out to bite him because literally to bite them because, you know, Jim frees him first and he goes ramp and starts infecting the other soldiers who infect other soldiers and causes, you know, uh, leads everything to, to its natural conclusion. And then, and then Hannah is the one who's able to kind of deal the, the, uh, the killing stroke to uh, to Christopher Eccleston's uh, character. Yep, but uh, you know, a, a great movie. I mean, totally different. Um, you know, very dark. Uh, the gore factor really wasn't that high. No, it's, it's very suspenseful. Um, there are sometimes your heart will be racing because it's very it's suspenseful. Is not even the word. Where you're just like you're just like oh my god. You know, well, well you know, one thing I noticed, and I've mentioned this before, that uh, I think as I get older, my attention span gets shorter, and that <laughs> I've really come to love the you know the, the television format. You know, the 42 minutes, yeah. is, and that movies. It's sometimes difficult for me. Uh, both of these movies. I mean, literally, I, I mean, I'm, I look at my computer screen and, you know, I'm at like the 60 minute mark already. I'm like, wow, yeah, they, this they, is going fast. They both, and that's what I like about both of them is like the, they have very tight narratives. Yes. To them. Like they, they, act, they keep the action going. And there are some moments interspersed. Like in 20 Days Later, I love this scene where they stop and go shopping because it's like this reminder again of their yeah, humanity. Exactly. They go through the store and they're picking out. And I, I love it. Frank is sitting there and he's like, you know, like um, Jim starts taking scotch, and Frank's like, "No, don't take that. Yeah, take this. You know, right, like right. The, good the good stuff. stuff right? You know? He takes Everything. one, and then he takes two. So he starts stuff on, and then three, and, and then and then they're walking out, and they leave the credit card, right? You know, on there. So like, it's you know, it's just like a great scene, just kind of break up the tension there. It's not a funny scene per se. No, it really is. It's just a, it's a refreshing scene, you know, like yep. like like with the horses that remind us of of what it is, what it means to be human. Yep. So. Um, uh, the thing about the end, though, is that uh, if you get the DVD, you find out that that wasn't the ending that they intended. That little coda there, mm -hmm. where uh, Jim is uh, wakes up again, and but he's in a, a little. Can we give our spoiler alert at the beginning of this podcast? We didn't, but okay. Yeah, you know, people hopefully yeah. know. Yeah. Um, 
because in the original cut of the film, Jim dies. Oh. And, and they actually have, they have like three different have versions of the three different endings. Um, and so, and the one is that, that almost that same scene, except Jim's not in it because he, oh. he died uh, in the hospital after the, after the car crash or, okay. or because well, he was shot right. by, by major West um, shot him. And so he dies. And so, so there's like three scenes that they intended uh, in different ways to, 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 to show uh, the end of the movie. But then they tested it and, and people were like, no way. Right. Yeah. You know, like they violently reacted to, to Jim's dying and everything. So they uh, cut the, the scene as it is now where, you know, Jim survives. And, right. He gets shot, but it's only a flesh wound. It's, okay. it's just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> but, uh, you know, highly recommend it. Um, you know, both of these movies, I think, are a great introduction uh, to the zombie genre, uh, you know, got the two links on the website. Now, I haven't seen either of those two movies. Uh, you, you said you have seen uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Um, so that's on there. It is a black and white movie, and apparently there have been attempts to colorize it that I've, you know, heard were... Yeah, I think most recently I saw it was 2004. I have not seen... I refuse to watch colorized uh, versions of movies, period. Um, well, at least until I see the original. Well, I, I just I don't yeah. I don't want to say it because that's not it was there was no intention there on the artist's part to for it to be in this now whether it was because it wasn't available as in before color, or in this where obviously George Romero made a purposeful decision by '68 obviously they have color film he could have filmed in color, but he didn't and I, I think black and white's even more expensive right yeah so it's not like it was a budgetary thing this he intended to be in black and white so. Don't even mess with the colorized versions. Watch in black and white. That's what it's meant to be watched in. Yep. All right. Anything else about zombies? Uh, God, I think, no, I think we uh, just. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, I was really surprised. Uh, I'm really glad I saw both films. I really do intend to check out some more of these and, uh, and see where, you know, and whether or not I get into The Walking Dead or not, you know, I'm not sure because, you know, you have mentioned and I have read before that it is relatively high on the gore it's, scale. It's, yeah, very high. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it, it is really about the human condition may not be enough for yeah. me to overlook the gore factor. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, if, if you really don't like gore, but, you know, give it a shot. I mean, like Walking Dead is, is really just a, a very well-made show. Um, if you like gory stuff, then it's even better. If you don't, you might be able to overcome it. I don't know. I can't tell because I kind of like that that stuff a little bit. Uh, I, I actually want to mention some of the the actors in here because, like, Killian Murphy um, is has actually he's had a pretty good career going now. Um, most notably, he's played was he's, he Jim? He, Jim, right? Okay. Uh, he plays uh, Scarecrow in the Batman, all three Batman movies, oh. all three Batman movies, pretty prominent roles, and then in Inception. Uh, coming to a future podcast near you, if I have my way. Um, he plays uh, Robert Fisher, which is the the son of. Well, you haven't seen it, so. But uh, he has a pretty big role in a very big role in Inception. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, I mentioned playing Frank. A uh, little movie called Braveheart. Yeah, he was Hamish I've, in Braveheart. I've seen it, and uh, and a lot of people know him as uh, Mad Eye Moody in uh, in the fourth Harry Potter. Well, the fourth and the 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 fifth. And the seventh, oh. in, I think he's in the sixth a little bit. Is he? I can't remember if he's in the sixth movie or not. Um, 
But uh, fantastic. And he's been in like tons and tons and tons of other stuff. He he actually played Winston Churchill. I think it was an HBO movie recently. It was really, really good. He played Winston Churchill. Awesome. Um, and then finally, Naomi Harris, who played Selena. Uh, when I saw Skyfall, it was driving me crazy. I'm like, I, I haven't know, seen that. I know her. She's in Skyfall. It was just driving me crazy because she looks so different. She's much more glamorous in Skyfall because uh, obviously in 28 Days, she's supposed to look kind of like rough. You know, she's not, it's, it's just it's supposed to look glamorous. But she's uh, she's the new Miss Moneypenny. Oh, okay. In, in Skyfall. And, and well, Skyfall, she become, I mean, she's already Miss Moneypenny, but she's now going to take on that role for the next uh, however many Bond movies she's in. Okay. Well, we've got some time, uh, so we might be able to fit that in. Uh, but we have kind of settled on our next show, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so we are going to be talking about women we love, or rather, uh, genre actresses that we love. Okay, uh, and and we did a top ten list, you know, way back when. But we, you know, we really just kind of superficially went through it, and and you know, there there are so many outstanding actresses in the genre field that are doing some great work. So these are women that you know that that. Look, we'll be honest. We like the way they look, but, you know, we like them. You know, that's not enough. I mean, they've got to be great right. actresses as well. They've got to kick ass. And and I think, you know, most of the women on, uh, you know, in this list uh, in discussion will be ones that, that kick ass. And then maybe once and for all, we'll settle the uh, question of who is the first lady of sci-fi. Yeah, but we can try. More than likely, we'll yeah. uh, it'll be a split decision. <laughs> So yeah, you can you know certainly we'll uh, we'll, we'll end up talking about uh, those two ladies. Right now, the uh, the other thing that that came up, and, and of course I didn't write it down. Uh, the date for the season four Lost Girl premiere has been released, and it's something like I want to say March or 2014 or whatever. So I guess somewhere along the way we'll that's have to the, the U.S. Out. premiere. That's the U.S. So somewhere along okay. the way we'll have to figure out what. Uh, what we're doing about that, but um, anything else? Nope. All right. Well, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com and go there. Certainly get the links um, and, and, you know, send us a, a voicemail. You can use the, uh, you know, the tab there. 90 seconds or just record your own mp3 you know let us know what you thought of the zombie movies once you actually sat down and watched them you can follow us on facebook uh twitter and continue accessing us through itunes so until next time don't get bit